and welcome to Seymour, podcast about movies and TV. I'm Juan Gonzalez, and we are spoiling Endgame today, Avengers Endgame. It's been out for about a month, and I figured that's enough time. I know the Russo brothers, the directors, lifted the spoilers embargo uh, two weeks after the movie premiered, and that's because the Spider-Man Far From Home Sony production needed to start promoting their film, which takes place immediately after, but... We wanted to give the fans enough time to grapple with this, and I've got two very special guests today. Uh, We're going to treat this as a part two to our MCU episode earlier this season. With me today is, you already know him, uh, Softglass. Hey. And our very special guest today, Aaron. Howdy. Aaron, uh, you're new to the people. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a director and photographer. Um, Good one. A very good one. Joao and I have worked, actually the three of us have worked together on a number of projects, both video and photo. You know, I'm just here to talk Avengers. (laughs) And I've wanted you on the show for a very long time, uh, but you're a very busy man. So I'm really happy that we got to like track you down, steal 30 minutes of your time. Thank you for being here, man. Yeah. I hope it goes longer because there's a lot to say on this and I'm very, very happy to be on the show. If it goes long, whatever we, whatever it takes. Is that, whatever it takes. That was a tagline. For whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes. I want to just start by saying we're going to have a very brief introduction again for if you want to know more about this film, the production of this film, Joao and I tackle that in our MCU episode. By now, I assume that numbers alone, mostly everyone has seen it. So we are going to spoil the heck out of it. It is the second highest grossing film of all time. It's on track to beat Avatar, I think. It's at 2.6 billion worldwide avatar was 2.7 guys is it gonna hit is it gonna pass it oh yeah i mean i can't believe looking back on it how much of a powerhouse avatar was because this (laughs) took taking 21 movies to get to this number yeah and and he just did it with one movie i think it's important to remember that it wasn't just the movie. It was the technology. Right. 3D. It was like the viewing experience too. It was like something, it was something that people had to go experience in the theater. It wasn't something that you could just watch at home and get the same effect. Right. right. So that was definitely the draw. But I mean, like if they, if they were to make a movie and it was like, oh, and at some point they're going to like, when it's raining, you'll feel the rain or when it's buzzing, you'll right. like, no one would go out to see like the first movie that's like that. Yeah. But I feel like for whatever reason... That was really captured lightning in a bottle, and yeah, I'm not sure even people liked Avatar that much. Yeah, <laughs> that I, it, yeah, like <laughs> I think the biggest surprise here is that like whenever I say, "Oh, Endgame's gonna pass Avatar," for it, the the response isn't like, "Wow, that's incredible." It's wait, Avatar is right. the highest grossing film of all time. Yeah, so very interesting, and also the fifth film on that list is the prequel to this film, which is Avengers: Infinity War. Wow, so they are up there, and. The structure for this episode is going to be interesting because we have so much to cover. So I want to run through really quick. Aaron, you came with notes. Mm-hmm. You came mm-hmm. very prepared, which is good. And again, you saw it this weekend, right? A couple of days ago. Yeah, I had a lot of things going on this month, so I missed all of the whole wave of Avengers conversations and I had to mute everything on all social that was like Avengers, Tony Stark, yeah. Endgame, Cap, Captain, Steve. I would Rogers. love to see that mute list. I tweeted about it. You tweeted the <laughs> yeah, mute list? Yeah, I, I need to see that. Right, I'm sure I'm, it was very extensive. It was very extensive. <laughs> and I wonder, did things still get spoiled for you even without? 
Yeah, I think a couple of YouTube thumbnails at like the three week in mark. I mean, three weeks out mark um, sort of revealed a couple of things. But I thought that they were just like Photoshop mock-ups, you know. So I was just kind of like, oh, like there was one video that's like, what happens next? And it has, you know, iron pepper. And I was like, that's not real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really glad we have this ensemble. Joao and I saw it opening weekend with the hype. You saw it a bit removed from the hype. So I think our perception of the film is going to be really interesting and let's just get right into it. Wow, you've been itching to... What were your first impressions of the film? I honestly, like, my first impressions weren't as extreme as my current takes will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do that. Let's just, like... So people know where you land before we get into sort of the beat-by-beat yeah. synopsis. Let's just... For the sake of this specific setup, right. I will just land all the way to one side just just to act as a foil you know and i have a feeling (laughs) it'll be yeah i just just for the sake of this the podcast let's just say i was not a fan okay and i have no idea where aaron stands i'm really excited to get to that i think i'm very neutral Mm. so i'm like low-key by default aaron has to love it i'm I'm weird like (laughs) so aaron where do you stand on this film i love it Uh, perfect yes this is perfect yeah (laughs) For the record, I actually don't have a lot of problems with it, but I was really not sure of what I was walking into. Like, I felt like I was really fooled by the marketing. Shout out to that marketing. The not marketing, showing anything. I knew that everything after the first week was, they only marketed that it was the number one movie of all time or the biggest opening of all time. It was just how, how financially successful it was. That's kind of all I knew. And then there's like that scene where they're walking in the white Avengers uniforms. Right, yeah. That's kind of what I was expecting. And I didn't really even know how much of a fan service movie it was going to be and how quickly like they got all of the initial questions from Infinity War out of the way. That's true, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the movie almost had like a prologue. Right? right before it really kicked into gear, which was smart to sort of wrap up. Right, the, the last they got to those answers way quicker than I expected right. them to. And they they started doing this. They have like a scene, the intro scene, and then the Marvel reveal logo. Yeah, another scene, and then the Avengers reveal logo. So there's a, there's like two little like punches. You yeah, know? yeah. They got to these special moments, and then you know they were like, all right, here we are now. I felt like it was 20 minutes in the title hadn't come in yet. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Let's go get this son of a bitch. Dang. Mm. Yeah, I didn't notice. There were two sort of titles to the title, title cards. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, just so that the audience knows, because we got to talk about Joao's background with the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the last episode. I grew up reading comics, loving this stuff. Where do you land on the previous Marvel films? You've kept track of all of these films. Where would you, would you say you're a fan of this universe? Have you been keeping up with all the films? I'm a very big fan of what Marvel has done over these last 10 years. Like, yeah. I don't love all the movies, but I think that they have opened a lot of uh, doors and have done... Infinity War, to me, was just like a, a, almost a miracle, you know? Yeah. like Better film. Better film than this one. Let's right. And get it's, that out of the way. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a tighter film. It's hard not to compare them because they're intertwined. Like I don't necessarily compare Age of Ultron to Infinity War or to Endgame, right. but they are technically both Avengers movies. But because these ones feel a little more tied together with the villain, it 
does invite comparisons. And they were meant to be a part one and two. Originally. Right, but I think that's why they might have changed the name because right. I think that they didn't want it to be like part one and part two and then the beginning of part two, you know, you're just done with part one. Yeah, part yeah. 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 It's and as if like if 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 uh Harry Potter the last one part 2 the fight was over in the first 10 minutes. Right. And then the That's rest true. of it is just kind of like, oh, what's Harry going to do now? Right. The structure of both of these films were really interesting. I saw a video recently that Infinity War actually heavily foreshadowed time that whole movie is about running out of time. Mm-hmm. So thematically I like the fact that while the first film was like run out of time, run out of time, uh and then eventually losing the heroes like go back in time and get that time that they like apparently lost. So I like that. Before we get into some of the major beats, any last words? Anyone want to preface anything? I know Joy you're going to come in hot. I'm going to come in real hot. I'm I'm waiting. I'm just going to wait. You're for like my buying baby. your time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron is there anything else that you want to Throw out there before we go beat by beat. Uh, I think it's just really hard to to close such a gigantic ship. They're not just closing the Infinity War uh, storyline or Endgame storyline. They're closing like all twenty one storylines. Yeah, and that can be tough. And for me, I just that's why I was like, Infinity War to me was a miracle because of how well it handled all of those things. So while the Russos were, you know. I guess finishing all this, or this is also simultaneously happening with Endgame. Like, I don't think that Infinity War and Endgame were done together and then they were split in half. I think they were, while stuff stuff was being written, while, while yeah. they're out on doing press tours and stuff like that. And you can kind of see a little of that. Um, they kind of like are a little loose with um, a couple of things on this one that I think that. Infinity War was just like laser focused on. And yeah. that unfortunately is probably why it has ballooned to three hours. Yeah. I'll, I'll make one last point before we get into details. I have, I should clarify, I don't think that this is a bad movie. I think I made it very clear in my letterbox review, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> Exclamation point. But, but that's even a hot take with this film. I oh, yeah. Like. I, I felt the heat. I By saying it was okay, I, I, a lot of people had a problem with me not yeah, I, loving I followed it. you on Letterboxd. Actually. I don't think you ever followed me in the first place. Fake. That's how committed I was. Fake, friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, by no means do I think it was bad. My biggest issue isn't necessarily what happened. I think that it was a miracle and well executed as far as tying everything up. I think it was masterfully done as far as landing and sticking the landing from a narrative perspective. I don't have that many issues with the narrative. Yeah. My issues come with seeing it as a movie, you know, and not right, right, as right. a concept. Right, right, right. Um, the, so, yeah. yeah, and I think we land similarly there of like the what of it all it works for me. The how they do it and execute it is kind of where I have some of my issues with the films, but I was also going to say, and Aaron, you did a good job of say, like we feel very similarly of, yeah, the feat of it being a good sequel to the Infinity War cliffhanger seems almost impossible, but it was also a finale to 22 other films. And I think it juggled both of those things really well. Yeah. All right, let's get into the beats. (laughs) 
So the movie starts off, and uh, Tony and Gamora's sister, I don't even, <laughs> Nebula. Nebula. We're down to the. Some respect on <laughs> yeah. that name. That's top three characters in the movie. She does have a much larger role than I expected. Yeah, she had least. like high billing in this movie. I think she yeah. had the highest billing she's had in any movie. She always does a great job. I like her in the Guardians movies. But they're, So they're floating around in space, and Captain Marvel saves them. So we're immediately rewarded with Captain Marvel, who's absent from Infinity War, and that sort of answers everyone's question of like, where's she been? What's she doing? How was was this a weird moment for? Did any was anyone surprised by Captain Marvel showing up? Show, well, hold I mean, on, hold on. Sorry, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the moment before with Tony and Nebula. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really sweet. The paper football, the paper football. That was thing. cute. Yeah, because I think that like one of the best established. Moments where we needed to see Nebula go from cuz she's always just like pissed and yeah. growly and and hanging out with Tony um is probably maybe like maybe one of the top 5 hangs of all time yeah. Tony, Tony yeah. Stark yeah. <laughs> like he just always makes you feel good hanging with yeah. Tony yeah. um he manages to like reel her back to just like not pissed like confused contentment mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, just playing this game and then he says this goodbye to Pepper at the beginning of the film. It's very beautiful. And then we see, of course, we. I mean, if you're into these films and you know it, you know what's coming. Yeah. As the thing lights up, you're like, oh. But I wonder, would that goodbye to Pepper Potts seem... I, there was something about jumping into this movie. I guess even before this, I, I should have started with uh, Hawkeye loses his family early on in the film. They get dusted away, which was a Amazing. great way to start... However, that all, the dusting happens off screen, and I was really disappointed by that. I mean, how much more emotional would it have been if, like, you know, he sees his daughter get dusted? I was confused that he never saw what happened to them, that they were just missing. I think that was the point. I think the point was that, like, that's how fast it happened for some people. Like, that's a good point. We were, we were, we were shown who all of the invested characters, what happened to them, and what it looked like at the end of Infinity War. And then at the beginning of Endgame, we knew we know like what's about to happen. Right. And she turns the corner and then she's gone and he's like, Where do you and then he looks back and they're all gone too. And that's how fast it happened in a snap. Yeah. And I think that that was really important to see because Hawkeye was not an invested character in Infinity War. We didn't know right. where he was. Or up to any Marvel movie at this point, you could argue. He was sort of always the butt of the joke, right? He was always like an Avenger, Avengers character, not yeah. necessarily an MCU like right, s- right. standalone. Um, so you, he wasn't really in Infinity War. And then he's sort of like our reference point for what a normal person... Like I feel like he was in the same position Tony later is in five years later. You know where right, he's right, he's true. out into the woods as well. Yeah, with his family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I really liked seeing how it could feel for somebody who had no idea that was happening. Yeah. Also, a little weird that he had no idea that was happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, Juwan, You had mentioned you had an issue with that. I didn't have an issue with the execution of it. Right. I like that it happened. I like that moment a lot. Of and I think that's a great way to start the movie. I thought honestly, when the movie started like that, I had very high expectations for the rest of it. Me too. I was kind of caught off guard with how well that scene worked for me. Because I think that the, it's just so, the the quiet and calmness that the snap happens with, I thought 
in Infinity War was super effective. Just how there was no music. Right. You had kind of like this sound of like low rolling thunder in the background. And there you could hear thunder in this scene as well, by the way. Right. For, yeah. And I and I always loved that. I loved that I loved how this moment where we are supposed to you know it's supposed to be death. It's mass death. It's a mass extermination happens quietly. It's just like a very powerful thing. And I loved that the movie started that way. And it and it kind of set a tone that was never reached again for me, as far as tonally speaking. Yeah. The seriousness and gravity of that first scene, I think, was never matched. And again. by the way, on that point, just because I won't have time to say this later, uh, everybody acted their ass off. Yeah. The acting... All the way through, from all the stars, invested. I mean, yeah. and I know that's like a, yeah, sure. But like at this point, it would have been so easy to phone in a lot of these performances. But I feel like everyone had a moment. Like mm-hmm. all of these characters had a moment. And the acting was great. I mean, we started off with the Hawkeye scene, then Nebula and Tony on the ship. Nebula did a great job. Tony with the message. I was like, okay, like the acting is, we're, we're doing, they're in. Yeah. They're like bought in here. They're, and, was, then, and then Captain Marvel showed up. <laughs> and yeah, then, not and a lot poor, of great. And that was poor like, Brie Larson, man. She she didn't get to act in a room with most of these people because they right. shot a lot of it in post. So it was tough to. And yeah. I don't even I didn't even have an issue. I think I love Brie Larson, and I and I enjoy. I like the Captain Marvel character. I. It's just as soon as she shows up, it's just like oh, here's the first convenience. Of right. many, the, you know, the, one of the 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 marvel about Captain Marvel is uh, that she is a marvelous plot device. Right, yeah, exactly. that's, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Only shows up in the movie when just comes when, in, <laughs> when saves <he> <laughs> Tony, and is like, I got other problems. Right, and is out. The Deus Ex Machina, like threefold. You know, I think she has like three moments of like narrative convenience. Um, convenience yeah. So Captain Marvel comes in, saves the day. And then I'm reminded that it's like a, a superhero movie. Like immediately, her showing up was like, all right, okay, like we're flying, we're doing this, that's fine. And then I'm almost surprised at how quickly she goes back to the base and the whole gang's like, okay, new plan, let's go at Thanos again. Like that's the smartest thing we can do here. So I was like, uh, all right. And the, uh, the second that I was like, weird second plan, just there's less of you, fine. And then they were like, well, what's the difference this time? And she's like, oh, you have me. And I was like, solid point. Yep. Yep. She can kick his ass. Yeah. Also, before that, there's just like a perfect example of the weird narrative inconsistencies. Like, I think the moment Tony gets back, he kind of gets into a a heated exchange with Captain America. Right. They had some making up to do after Civil War. Right. And and Captain America is like, hey, do you have any info that you're bringing back, you know, do you know where Thanos is? Like what's, what's going on? And right. Tony's like, I don't know anything. We're all screwed. And they kind of have a little spat. And then immediately after that, I forget who, but oh, one uh, of the characters, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow's like, Oh, we have this technology that we can tell whenever he uses the snap. And then they were like, Oh yeah, he's here. And so I'm just like, wait, Another convenience, I guess. Maybe Did, he, he hadn't snapped up until that point. Right. But so this, weird that he didn't tell Tony that they had that technology. But fine. Sure. Like, 
Right. Best not to nitpick on these kind of things because I <laughs> there's a lot a, of them. That's surprising. <laughs> like we're gonna. It's like they were playing real fast and loose with yeah. these kind of rules that they were setting up. I wouldn't even then, say setting. I would just say they're just gonna be like, hey, here's this thing, right? And we're that like that's why we're going this route, right? Yeah. And and we're off. We're off right. into space, and they find Thanos, and I'm like, oh, Josh Brolin loved his performance. Like, are we going to see him, you know, on the farm? Is this going to be great? He's there for two seconds and they chop his head off. How did we feel about that? I feel like even before that, right, he, you see the scars that, that have been left on Thanos. Mm-hmm. But not because of the first snap, which was what I thought, but because he it's snapped a the second, second time. Yeah. Off screen. Off, off screen, which was, well, fine. We're, sure. we're with the heroes here. Off screen. I don't think we need to be shown everything. That's true. Sure. With the Infinity Stones to get rid of the Infinity Stones so that no one can use the Infinity Stones to reverse the snap that he used with the Infinity Stones. Okay. Solid plan. He's doubling down on his decision. It almost killed him. And they set up the fact that when you snap your hands with the Infinity Stone, it can severely You can summon it, but it it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. That's Mm -hmm. important to remember for later. Right. And then they chopped his head off with, was anyone surprised by that, that they immediately killed him? Yes. I yeah. loved it. Yes. You, what? I loved it. I loved it too. I thought it happened a little too fast, but I liked the move. That was the, I feel like that was its its point. Its point wasn't to be at the midpoint. Its point is to be at the very beginning. And you, we are like. Hopeless. Not even hopeless, but it feels like well, there's like this whole like we got to get vengeance, we got to get revenge, and then you cut the guy's head off, and there's no music, there's no like triumphant thing. It's just like you know, everyone's vengeance. still gone. Right. Everyone's yeah. still yeah. gone. everyone's still you're not yeah. bringing them back, and and like you see everyone's demons carry over. Yeah, because of that that level of defeat, even though they killed him, right. killing yeah. him wasn't ever going to fix anything. They yeah. missed their shot. I loved it. I loved how it was intertwined with Thor's arc and how he was emasculated at the end of Infinity War. And he thought that if he was able to defeat or be the one to kill Thanos, he would have that hole that he had in his in his ego be filled up again. Right. And it's not. And then we see the repercussions of that through the rest of the movie. So I did, I loved that moment a lot for... And also, yeah, just like that was one of the few moments where a surprise also like has like the shock value itself also has for narrative purposes. Right. right? It's not just shock value for shock value's sake. I was surprised, but then I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And I really like this decision. And I really liked that it was just like Russo's going Russo of being like, this is we're going to like give you what you wanted, but not in the way you thought you wanted. That's a great point. Yeah, that's it. That's a great point. And. And then they did a thing that I'll get to later, but I don't like when series finales of TV shows do this. I know there's a narrative purpose for this, but it was hard for me to get over it. It was like you've watched, like every se- every episode of this season has been like back to back to back. Marvel has been usually consistent with the exception of period pieces, Captain America, by the year in real time. Right. And then they're like, we're going to go five years later. And then I'm just as a viewer like, oh, we're doing the series finale of this last episode is going to span like 20 years. But fine. Uh, Obviously, they didn't go to that extreme. But five years later, a rat gets Scott Lang out of a a, a thing because this was like the the 1% chance that it could work with Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange, the one in the one billionth, whatever. 
Ant-Man, Ant-Man escapes. And as a viewer, we know, oh, Quantum Realm. He was coming out of that if you watched Ant-Man 2. Did not. Did not. I did not watch Ant-Man 2. Uh, I was a little upset by the whole Edgar Wright situation. So right. I, you were... I, I boycotted <laughs> Big this. Because I really liked his, the fact... I really liked his writing on the first Ant-Man. Yeah. And, uh, the pieces that they used. And you can tell what parts were Edgar yeah, Wright's. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Paul Rudd, great performance. I thought he was really funny in it. In Ant Man or in 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 Endgame? this in Endgame? Yeah, Paul Rudd. He's yeah. funny in everything. Paul Rudd. But I think true. he also had some like moments where he carried stuff like energetic wise. He was like you know he had to do a lot of like exposition and he, also he, had some hard moments. Yeah, yeah. and like, he was the viewer in that like they were like oh time travel what and he when was he's just walking he was down us. yeah when, when he's walking down the street after he comes back that is like amazing of yeah. of, of, of like whoa. Yeah, you know when they leaned into that whole post-apocalyptic thing, it worked really well. Too. Uh, Steve Rogers doing the therapy group, like finding any way he can help, like yeah. classic Captain yeah. America. It, it was great. You right. can see the the emotion on on uh, Chris Evans' face of that. Like, yeah, it still hurts to talk about it, but like I'm, I'm doing my best here. Right. Also, I would have thought that support group would have been much bigger. <laughs> no, like like if. What's the wait list like on right. that support group? Right. I would, <laughs> there's only six people yeah, there. Yeah, there's only like six people. I was like, are you serious? I would be there. Yeah. Right. By the way, uh, first gay character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the the, per, the one of the survivors talking about his like last boyfriend, which was also Anthony Russo. Right. One oh, of the Russos. Oh, right. It yeah. was Anthony Russo. Anthony yeah. Russo, yeah. And I, the, to be honest, I couldn't even... Under, I couldn't register what he was saying because I'm like, oh, that's the, that's one of the Russo brothers. Yeah, where's the other one? Right. Yeah. We uh, also like, get, that's what I was, was in the, the snap. whole time. He was, oh, he was gone in the snap. Oh, okay. half, half of them were obliterated <laughs> in the snap. That's very nice. That's so, very. Oh, that's Russo did it <laughs> right. again. Yeah, they did it again. And so they've got the quantum realm. They're gonna do a couple of logical leaps, and they're like time travel. We're gonna time travel. Uh, let's ask Tony for help. He's off with his family, and they're good, and, and, and they go to tell Tony, and he's like, no, and then he talks to Peggy. Anyway, they're all in, so we're time traveling. Now, that as a viewer, we know, okay, what we're going to do now is go back in time. I like this. A lot of people didn't like this because it was the only thing that could have happened after Infinity War. Part of me was like, man, I, how are they going to get out of this? And then people were like, oh, time travel. And I was like, oh, that's too easy. Like, how are they going to figure this out? But of course... They're going to time travel. Yeah. Are we okay? I feel like leading up to this film, we already kind of figured that would happen. When that was solidified in the movie, how did we feel about that? That like, all right, okay, so they're going to do exactly what everyone thought they would. This is where I begin to have problems with the movie, is that it begins to rewrite what Infinity War did so brilliantly. Yeah, I agree. Like, I really felt that Thanos earned the win he got in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Earned it. And we got so much and it was so inevitable. Like that was the whole thing. And his like, line was I, I am, am inevitable. inevitable. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. He's still like even when they visit him, he's like he still feels like that this wise like villain. He felt right. he felt like he won. Still so impressive and you could see that he was like not up to the fight anymore. Because of the sacrifice he had to make. Yeah. Even though we're all like, okay, it's bad, bad set. He thinks he's doing this great service for the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Which is why I'm like, one of my questions was like, well, in this, where was Thanos' army when he got, when he eventually gets decapitated? Also, is this a movie for kids? 
supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When he they when show he gets, it twice. <laughs> they sure did. Uh, yeah, they and do. one was zoomed yeah. in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, well, he doesn't need the army anymore. He set out what he wanted to do, and I felt like it was really earned. And then this movie immediately sort of like undoes that in a way that I'm not a hundred percent. I just wasn't like, I was just kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. I yeah. don't know about that. This is I'm with you. And this is where it started to fall apart. Not just because they don't, they go back in time. They go out of their way to say that even if we go back in time, if we change anything, it won't actually change the future. And they use examples like uh, back to the future, all this stuff. Right. And suddenly there go all the stakes. Like, right. oh, you can see yourself from the past, fight you, and then just come back to the future and you're fine. There's no stakes of being in a place where you're not supposed to be, which is usually what makes time traveling, like the thrilling, like the thriller aspect is gone. Right. And that's why I was a little like, uh, but we'll get to that. Do I, you want to? Well, yeah. I mean, that is the crux of my issue with this movie. All of the weight in Infinity War. For all of the anxiety I felt watching all the Infinity way through War, that movie, you're all the way like, through well, the movie, how are they going to do this? Okay, right. wait, how? Yeah, I felt so anxious while watching Infinity War. I felt so invested in what was going to happen, and genuinely, not only curious as to what was going to happen, but like scared for the characters. All right. of that was gone as soon as they introduced time travel and they set out the rules. I was like, "Oh, so we're we're good." You know what I mean? Like we're good. Yeah. At the hour <laughs> we're mark, good. at the hour mark, you were just like, "Okay, you're good." Right. And, and they kept saying, "Like we only got one shot." Everyone remembers. Don't like whatever right. it takes. The the marketing set that up, and I was like, "No, you can." Be, and we'll get to this. Oh they, yeah. They have unlimited the hand, access the to pin the pin particles. They they ran out of them. They were like, "Oh wait, we can just go get more." And then it was just like, "Oh yeah. my and, god!" And we'll get like, to those specific beats. But Aaron, you wanted to say something? Well, yeah, I think that like. You know, time travel is theoretical. So there's right, like, right. A, you know, there are, that's why I felt like it was nice that they were sort of like somewhat establishing their, the Marvel rules for time travel within the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. But um, I also found it incredibly confusing because it seemed like as soon as they thought it about it, they were doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, there was a part of it where they, we're calling it the time heist. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, this is very fun. And it was nice to see the Russos like have all of these like different styles across the movie. Um, I felt like I didn't understand. I didn't have any time to like soak in what the plan was. Right. right. Like I just remember being like, as soon as they thought it, it, it happened and they were off. They were all, like, we were off into time travel so fast. And it right. was like a different movie at that point from the first couple of, from the setup to, and this was really like three movies, I feel like, dealing yeah. with the outcome of Infinity War, a time travel movie, and then just an epic at right. the end, like an epic back in present day. Right. They didn't even have like, you know, like the getting the gang back together scene. Yeah. Right. You know, like, yeah. Those scenes are always really fun, and this one was like convincing Tony to abandon his family, right? And go in the like. <laughs> this was not the fun right. version of like getting the gang back together for this heist movie, right? You know? And tonally, you hit the nail on the head, and in, in, in terms of like that, getting the gang back together was tonally very somber, which was interesting. And then them trying out this thing that they couldn't fail at, they used that as an opportunity to be a little more lighthearted with right. like. 
like testing out going back right, in time and coming right. back, even though they had already stated that they have limited supply to do this, so there are less of a chance to come back. And but even that was it, that all ended up being a red herring because then you find out that oh wait no we could just go further back in time to, to get more uh, Hank Pym. Well, I was okay. I mean, I'm I'm okay with that because it's like they're working within the rules of what they've established. At these things, right. you know. But yeah. that's the thing. That's the issue I have. And with instead it, of going forward like you're expecting them to, or the plan is to. Go forward they then go for further backwards right but that's the thing is the it works within the rules they set up but the rules they set up are boring yes <laughs> i think that's yes. just like yes. my whole yeah. point yes. and by the way they end up if you go out of your way to establish your own rules don't break those rules if you want me to believe that okay these and they end up actually breaking, breaking. their own rules at but again end. we'll get, we'll to, get that to that in a second so Hulk is, uh, Bruce Banner's now like Hulk full time. He's wearing an awesome sweater vest and he's a celebrity. That came out of nowhere and I loved it. I thought that was hilarious. I Just throwing that out there. And as soon as it happened, I was like, I don't like this at all. And then he was talking to the kids and stuff and I was like, I love this. <laughs> yeah, there were parts of me that really loved it. But at the time, it was such a swing from, jarring. Both, from both like... You know, I guess it was more of like the Ragnarok Hulk, the Grand Champion slash uh, Banner. Yeah, and I kind of liked th- that. But then I also felt like I was at some points watching like a Pixar movie because yeah. it was just so cartoony, so right? out of place. I was like, just, it was like, like I could see Mark Ruffalo within the Hulk, but yeah. it was also just very like. I don't know. You know, it was, Did, I they tried to make cartoony. him like sexy too. He had like the gray hairs and stubble. Was a, like that, that was the thing on Twitter. I loved it. It was like, like what? Well, what's his name? Professor Hulk, right? Professor, Professor, Hulk, Professor yeah. yeah, Professor Hulk is daddy apparently. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> thick. <laughs> well, no, I'll tell you who's thick. Oh, oh <laughs> Thor, yeah. baby, dude. And I loved <laughs> that move to make Banner like full time Hulk. Not sure I'm okay with that resolution for what was a huge unresolved arc in Infinity War. Right. Like, they were battling it out. And I thought, like, remember Hulk wouldn't come out in Infinity War? Weird that that was the resolution of that that happened off screen again, but fine. I thought we'd get, like, like Hulk got his ass kicked in the beginning of Infinity War by Thanos. And I thought he wasn't, it was like a fearful thing. That whole thing was very confusing to me, but I was like, oh, well, we'll resolve that in the next movie. Yeah. And he's like, I fixed it. I'm just Hulk full time. And I was like, word, okay, like there's a lot going on. We don't need to add this there. But I thought that was a bigger part in Infinity War to just turn into a comedic beat, which was ultimately just a comedic beat. How did you guys feel about that? The relationship between Banner and Hulk in Ragnarok, in, in Avengers 1, really. Right. Avengers 1, and then we see it again in Ragnarok, and then we see it in Infinity War. You would have thought that they might have like put that on there for a little bit, you know, like yeah. like that is such a battle that you would like to have seen the resolution of. But I also think that just cutting to uh him being like, you know, Daddy Hulk or whatever, it was <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing how and like and that is the most jarring thing of it being like, look, we don't need to show you the moment they like shook hands you know right we need to see where they all have gotten to right and it was how five they, years later right it was uh i, I think that was a good use of that time john i agree and i wouldn't have minded i think i'm with aaron in the sense that i don't think we need to see what happens necessarily but at no point did i feel like we were even told 
even? Maybe I missed it. As soon as they introduce like Professor Hulk, he's explaining what happened, and but you're just so jarred by yeah, what's yeah, right. happening. It's like, what? It's, it, it's like, what is... Right. Whoa. Because he's I just like eating food, and it's over the shoulder, and he's like kind of joking, and has that like sort of like like somewhat charismatic, but also like a little like charming yeah like, he's like sexy really mark ruffalo voice right. where you're just kind of like what's happening here i thought right, you were like yeah. a nerd right i i like i would have much rather that than like the resolution be like hulk has like a, a badass moment in mm-hmm. infinity like I, I like the fact that they chose to go this direction right because i think it services the character really well i do worry moving forward they said they have more plans for the character like where does Hulk go from here? The intrigue of Bruce Banner is that he's dealing with this demon. Nah, there's more can, stuff. You think they can go? I I would love them to just go full on Thor out, make them make it a comedy. Like Taika Waititi already did that with the Hulk and Thor that pairing. So like maybe they're just realizing that these characters like they should take them less seriously and just like right. let them run. Yeah, I think that like having more fun was one of the things that came out of Ragnarok. And um, shout out Ragnarok, the best yeah. movie in the and MCU. I, th- I think that. They had, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I think that like Infinity War might have missed how much people appreciated Ragnarok, but you definitely right. see it wash up again in Endgame. Yeah. How much fun they wanted to have with Hulk and Thor. And the movie's better for it because let's talk about Thor. He's fat now. He's playing Fortnite with Taiki Waititi's uh, Korg. 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 Okay. Korg. So we've got Fat Hulk playing Fortnite with Korg and Hulk. Fat is, Thor. Fat Thor. Right. I so heard Fat Hulk. Oh, okay. So we've got Fat Thor playing fo- Fortnite with the Hulk, which crazy plug for Fortnite, He's by playing the way. With Korg. Yeah, Korg. He's playing Korg. <laughs> Can you again. say it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got Fat Thor playing Fortnite with Korg, and it's great. Yeah, great plug for Fortnite that frequently collaborates with uh, Marvel, by the way. Right. Just for... And he's he's fending off online thirteen year old bullies <laughs> by very seriously stating that he'll fly over there and like <laughs> and kill them. Yeah, like how great is that? Who whoever thought of that? Yeah, I'm sure get Taika it. had to have written some of it or or directed some of that scene. I, did those comedic beats land with you for uh, like Fat Thor? Because they kept kind of hammering that joke in throughout the pun. movie. That pun, yeah. Well, they kept hammering. That pun, oh, very nice, guess, very good. I'll keep um, that in. That's good. I liked the reveal of of Thor being very, very different. Again, another zag, you know, where yeah. where we think something's going to zig in a, a zag where he's sort of like lost purpose in his life and he's become fat and big, the big Lebowski type. Yeah, you know, very dude like, but um, you know. I, 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 I'm not super fond of like th- the fat joke. Like the joke is that you're fat. Right. Like I like that it was like a shocking thing, but I also felt like his whole presentation was the joke on a lot of these things. And for me, I'm like, mm, we're kind of past that kind of humor. I agree with that. Yeah, I do too. As I, the number one Thor fan, Joao, yeah, you you agree? I I thought that like it made sense as far as his like character arc he felt very like emasculated which and his ego was very hurt you know when he kills or when he couldn't kill thanos in the in infinity war and then he thought that killing him at the beginning of this movie would kind of you know fulfill that and and restore his pride and it didn't and so the way that the movie decides to 
convey this like lack of pride in himself is through him not taking care of himself and him like you know eating poorly and drinking it's a, a very lot. human thing for a god to do so i like that visualization yeah, yeah. and i and i do agree like him being fat like can't just be the joke right you it feels know? like when always sunny tried to do that it was like fat Ooh. mac who yeah. by the way rob mccallany at the time of recording this posted a photo of him as fat fat mac and thor in the body too and like oh. drew a comparison so great <laughs> great he, yeah, Rob McElhinney did the work. Right, yeah, he, got yeah, fat. He, he got fat. Yeah, he absolutely did. And it's very clear that this is a fat suit. By the way, I want to throw that out there. It's I, so clear to me because his right, face but, looks like still chiseled. And yeah, handsome. but that's why I think they gave him the big beard. But I also, I'm like, yeah, okay, we're not gonna like. He's not freaking uh, Christian Bale, and he's not gonna <laughs> right. like fatten all the way up for. He's not doing that for one of these. Right, uh, no, for for an Avengers movie. And I'll say this: I know a lot of people had it had like a weird. I mean, it's not even weird. I understand. But like a lot of people had an issue with the character of Thor being almost like reduced to a joke in this movie. Um, And I disagree. (laughs) I think that Thor as a character has worked the best when not taken seriously. Because I think that's when his humanity comes out. And when your humanity comes out, it's you become more empathetic. And so like the first couple movies, he was just like, you know, so a god. Yeah, it was yeah. all like Shakespearean. Right, so, right. And it's just like you can't connect to this character as much. And I know the first Thor, they tried to do a fish out of water thing, and that kind of worked. But when you're in Asgard and it's just like, how do you connect to a god? And so you make him kind a of man. a goofball. You make, yeah. yeah, you make him a man. And you make him, you know, him taking himself very seriously, the joke. And right. then that's how that character works. I thought that's why Ragnarok worked. Sort of like Buzz Lightyear kind of situation. Exactly. And I think that's why going forward he'll be great in all the Guardians movies. Hopefully. We'll get to that. Yeah. They better stick to that formula because it is golden in my opinion. And I think that ultimately, for example, when he had that scene with his mom in this movie, I love that scene. He just seems like extremely, he seemed more human than anyone else in the movie where he's just like someone going through this very personal self-doubt, you know, uh, situation and him like seeing his mom and him finding comfort in talking to his mom and his mom being the one that's like, you got this, you can do it. Yeah. It, that just worked so well for me, yeah. but I digress. So we've got the gang back together and uh, we've got, you know, Thor, Hulk, uh, we've, we've seen their transformations. I do like the fact that after these five years, everyone's gone through some sort of transformation and Cap's just like shaved his beard. He's right. still handsome as ever. <laughs> right. They make this time machine using the quantum realm, which again, I guess is a sort of logical jump because the whole point of, I guess, Ant-Man was that that quantum realm was just an incredible sort of warp hole and his mom yeah, gets it. So it's not necessarily bound by time. Yeah. Right? You can navigate through time in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah, and the unpredictability of the quantum realm has been sort of the staple for the two Ant-Man movies. So, okay, we figured that out. We'll right. make the logical leap. They've got Again, the two I, smartest. It's fast and loose. It's I, yeah, real I did not fast see it. and loose. Again, I did not see it. But I didn't I see it either, but I, I have, the way I had understood it and explained, it was just kind of like, all right, this thing is happening. This thing happens now. We have time travel. This is how it works. Get on board because we got to get going. Yeah, right. which... Totally works. And it does make sense. They've got the two smartest minds on it, Tony Stark and Bruce Banner. So, sure. That, <laughs> so, 
time machine. The plan is we're going to get all the six stones back from their respective locations. We're going to go to, we're going to split into teams of three. And we're going to, uh, Bruce Banner, Scott Lang, and Steve Rogers, and Tony Stark are going to go to New York City in 2012. So we'll go to the first Avengers. Um, Rocket and Thor travel to Asgard in 2013. Thor the Dark World, the Thor one that nobody saw. And Nebula and Rhodes goes to Morag in 2014 to steal the Power Stone before Peter Quill does during the cold open of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool setup. Yeah. Right. Uh, continuity question here, sorry. Yes. Um, who's making these Avengers outfits? Yeah, man. I mean, the CGI team, apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, like, in the real world of the Avengers. like who, I think who, Tony who, Stark, who? right? It's all Stark technology. Oh, that's good to know. Because, all right, edit that yeah, out. Yeah, edit yeah. that out. Um, what was your original but question he, he, was? By the way, for the he built them quick. These are very quick. Yeah, just like yeah. <laughs> super quick. Like the specifications to uh, Iron War Machine, and then uh, yeah. and like then to also Hulk and Rocket. Like yeah, they're yeah. like very responsive. I'm, I'm sure the robots have the Wakandan technology is figured out. Maybe that. I sure yeah <laughs> sure sure sure. I do like the fact like a little part of me was like oh this is the fourth Avengers movie. We finally have consistent uniforms. Cool. And then they get to their respective location. The uniform disappears. And then I'm just like, okay, cool. Like they need to blend in with their old selves. And then this is where, right, the fan service really comes in. And which is, again, I'm starting to think this whole time travel thing was that so the last Avengers movie could just be like the greatest hits with the exception of the second Thor movie that nobody saw and we just spent a a hallway in in Asgard. But we wanted to go back to the first Avengers thematically go back to the first one as the series finale fine and and we've got some uh some some fan service moments right steve rogers butt going against each other loki's there tom hiddleston had to be in the movie how how was the new york aspect of it also tilda swinton's there and mm. she's helping fight off but we never saw that in the first avengers i can buy that i can buy that too yeah. i like that about. i like that it like placed her uh placed her when that was happening in your because there are just questions like where was this person right Ooh. they're retroactively right kind of right patching I, it that, up. that was yeah. a nice that was a nice uh moment but she goes and shows the hulk this like alternate timeline thing so anytime they change something in this reality it doesn't change the future but it creates an alternative timeline right right and he kind of uh he kind of resolved that also really quickly and in a way i didn't totally understand understand i was just kind of like yeah i guess that you think of your progression as it being like always moving forward so if you are going backwards you're never you're never changing anything in the past yeah but you're always just kind of moving forward i don't know to be honest fast and loose so the way they they described it was even if they're going back in time that past is still the present. present Yeah. Because it's still within their reality, like which I can wrap my head around. Again, no repercussions to any of their actions here, and we quickly see that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And we quickly see that with a bunch of like, and and I thought that there would be a plot point for it, and the only plot point for it was fan service. Let's count them. We had uh, like jokes after they like busted up Loki, like immediately after Shield comes in. As a viewer, we know they're corrupt. Fans don't know. I thought that was a fun moment. Yeah. Of like the logistics of like putting the thing on Loki's mouth, the mouth guard. Um, right. 
And him like sort of following, being like, "I'll have that drink now," and yeah. seeing how that was from a different angle because the Whedon angle was so epic, and then you see it from the side, and you're like, eh, "It's kind of yeah." I like right. the joke of <laughs> that I'm just now remembering. Like they were all in the elevator. Hulk goes to walk in, and they were like, "Oh wait, wait, wait!" Like <laughs> at capacity. Like anytime we that get into really the, funny. the logistics of it, it's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and you feel like that they were really. Like the original Avengers cast really had fun with moments like that because they were like, they had all figured out each other's timing and were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Like really just kind of making good, fun moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And then yeah. so Steve Rogers fights himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought there was going to be a reference to the elevator fight scene from Winter Soldier because it was shot pretty. Exactly. So that was the joke. Was, that was like, the oh, point. we're going to get another one. And right. then he just does the Hail Hydra. Hydra. Which then, I was like, ooh. Yeah. I don't know about that. Like, I don't, I didn't mind it. If you followed Captain America, it shows you his growth. You know, that doesn't, he doesn't need to punch his way out of the elevator. He can kind of, he's also got, it's a good point. Wiser. I'm on board. I'm I like board. that. Yeah. I will also say, if you haven't seen, the second Captain America movie, you don't know what the hell is going Dude, on. Dude, if you haven't seen any of the Marvel right. movies, you, you, should not be you should not watch yeah. it. You well, should not be listening thing. to this. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I thought, again, not to draw comparisons, but Infinity War did a great job of, if you don't know what's going on, you can get behind what's happening here. I'm trying to get these six crystals before anyone else does. Right. Boom. Like, there. that's our setup. We, it, knew, we know what some people can do. We know what other people can do. We yeah. sort of introduce that. Yes, it's very tight. Yeah, this movie... Um, fast and Loose. This, this movie's Fast and Loose. <laughs> fast and Loose. I, I was also impressed with how often we were indoors with all of these flashbacks. Let's go to Asgard. So Thor's with Rocket, mm-hmm. and he's in a rut for a little too long, in my opinion, but he's being grumpy, and Rocket's like, Rocket gives him the, the speech of like, hey, you got to get it together. Natalie Portman's in it. She doesn't have a single line. Fine. Wakes that up money. and... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she wakes up and secures the bag. Yep. Yeah. And... My queen. <laughs> and so they're in a hallway. The Avengers are in a hallway. And, and it's just become very clear at, at this point that we won't actually be interacting with this world in the past, even though there are no repercussions for it. So I thought we'd get a little bit of like some interaction with the the old Avengers and the new Avengers, but we don't have time for that. Everything's just kind of in a green screen in Atlanta. And that's become, I think I, I, I realized that sort of like the the limitations here of like how much we're going to push this thing. Yeah. But Thor has that great scene with his mother. Yeah. And uh, Rocket steals the, the stone. Off screen. Off screen. Sure. Right. It's implied. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a good bathroom break time. I think that's when a lot of people went to the bathroom <laughs> during that, which is a shame because it was a great scene with his mom. I mean, yeah. you were just saying it. How, how did you feel about that? Um, well, again, you really have to be invested in these early Thor movies to even know that was Rene Russo was Thor's mother. Yeah. But I really liked what she brought to the table. She was like, listen, what's going to happen to me is going to happen to me. Yeah. And nothing you can do now should change that. You Dude, know? Yeah. And I think and she just... knew immediately that he was from the future. Right. And I was like, whoa. I can buy that. Yeah. See, I mean, like, to me, I was things... like, I really like that. But I just also felt like, ooh, I should feel something here if mm-hmm. I cared about the characters. No, but, but and I also we got to move. About, yeah. There was that, that thing. Like, of even- it, there was no real time to like settle into this moment because we spent too much time talking yeah. about the plan in front of all these video screens. And right, yeah. I think for me it was just like the concept of, even just the concept of him realizing that he could see his 
his mom, mom who has like passed away at this point. He thought he would never see her again. And then him realizing he's going to see his mom again and him like having a mental breakdown. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is dope. Like I like... It's a good... This is something I've never seen in a Marvel movie. This specific sentiment. And, and you know? I think that it's was... a lot high- more mental. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of these battles are no longer physical. They're more like mental. Right. Of it being like, well, I didn't get to say what I want to my mother and I can't tell her what's going to happen. So why don't I tell her now right. what I think about her and what, you know, yeah. I've become. And and shout out to Marvel for, I mean, I, I said that we were going back in time to experience the greatest hits. They could have gone to Thor Ragnarok, which was a more critically acclaimed movie and found a fun spot there to drop them in. But they went to Thor 2, the least popular Thor, because... Right. It would provide the biggest character moment. Right. I respect that a lot. That's really cool that they yeah. that they did that because they went to Avengers and then Guardians, two of the most critically and commercially acclaimed Marvel movies. And kind of a fake out, by the way, because they set you up to think that he's going to have to see Natalie Portman again, right? And have yeah. kind of like an interaction with his ex girlfriend. Yeah, and you're thinking like, oh, here we like he's going to have to see his yeah. ex, but she's just like sleeping, you know, and like yeah. he, he doesn't ever actually get to interact with her. Another subversion. Yeah. There. So that was nice. Really nice. And now this is where I started to get a little eh. So we go to Morag in 2014 and they try to steal the Infinity Stone from Peter Quill. And this is Nebula and Rhodey. And funny, funny shot of like Peter Quill dancing to the cold open without right, any right, music. Right. I thought that worked great. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was really good. And so, okay. So, old, so 2014 Thanos is currently, just like for fun, torturing 2014 Nebula at this exact time because her thing, like, he can see into her mind, right? Like, she she records everything she sees. So 2014 Nebula, like, spouts out 28, 20... 19. Tw- no, five years later. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 Let's just call Nebula. him for... Let's call him past Nebula. Past which, Nebula, future Nebula. Nebula. Uh, so they... So past Nebula can see what future Nebula sees because they're wired in a way that they're like interconnected. Right. He mentions that they're on the same network, which I think is really cool because to me it's like they're sort of like sharing a cloud, sort of sort of speaking. One begins to overwrite the other. So Thanos isn't torturing a past Nebula. They're like about to go on the trip to find Quill and find the Power Stone, and he hasn't yet like been mad at her for failing yet so right. that's when her vision begins to like shoot out what's happening and they think the that future. she's like betrayed them right right, right right and okay so yeah you explain that much better and so they can now see into future nebula and basically thanos watches avengers infinity war in real time <laughs> and sees everything that's happened uh and then he gets sees, an early screening yeah he gets an early screening 14 screening <laughs> yeah. and then he's like I love that he's like, they find him after, you know, and that we're in the scene of him at the barn and he's, and he's watching himself talk about how he destroyed the infinity stone and how he did it yeah. and how he did it. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, see, like I'm inevitable. I did it. And then they chop his head off and he's like, Oh, <laughs> like that didn't work too well. And so he's learned everything. Presumably he's learned all of his previous mistakes. So he's going to go about it differently. Now that killed that character for me. Yeah. I was going to get to that. I think I lost all of my emotional stakes with Thanos in this film because we're dealing with a version of Thanos that hasn't 
accomplished the things and hasn't gone through the character arc that we saw in Infinity War. He was just told what he did and he was like, okay, I'm smarter for it. But it wasn't really earned as a viewer. There's even a line in the last battle sequence when Scarlet Witch was like, you killed Vision. He's like, I don't even know who you are. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, that, like, I wish that that Thanos had carried over or if time travel did affect the future, then like that would have still been the same Thanos in continuity, sort of, and maybe that would have held more weight. I, that, I think that this, you immediately sacrifice the the goodwill that you. Yeah, this Thanos didn't sacrifice his daughter. That's you know? yeah, yeah. Like this Thanos didn't have to make tough decisions for us to, as a viewer to empathize with him. This because, Thanos is just a CGI baddie. And yeah, you know, and because like 2014 dude. and this 2014 Thanos, like the Marvel landscape was very different in 2014. We didn't get Civil War and all of these movies that happened after that make his entrance more significant. I feel like that has a lot to do with it too. Like in 2014, the first Guardians movie came out and these characters weren't anywhere near where they were. So he really did feel at a place for me like i couldn't get past the fact that like i saw him and i just thought oh it's 2014 thanos yeah this wasn't thanos right yeah that's the thing this wasn't thanos like this is the thanos before guardians happened which means that this is before any of you know the whole like fine i'll do it myself having to see all of these people fail to get it having ronin betray him all of this stuff that happens that is like super nerding like nerding out about this is where i'm like oh he's like the mad titan this is where he becomes the mad titan where he's like, I'm just going to kill everything. Right. And that's totally not what he was about in Infinity War. Right. Yeah. Which, which, which sort of like, to me, it just kind of threw away his entire thesis of it being like, this is, I, what I want is balance. Not what I want is like a gratitude or something like that. Whatever he ends up getting to. And to me, I kind of just wish that they had either left Thanos altogether. Right. Or had Thanos try to fight back from the past and not necessarily ever enter the future or drop them in the moment before the snap happens you know like to me I, to me yeah. I would rather have them like go at Thanos again when he is full strength than sort of like come come into this like new version that again just empty. Just, just he's not the sa- he's not the same. He's not the same. Or he's dude, just the like same. just from a writing perspective, how great would it have been if they try to do this time heist thing? There are stakes that like like the window, like the door is closing the entire time, and yeah, that, that to me would have been much more interesting. That time is now your enemy, enemy. Your, yeah, yeah or and if you want to bring it back to Thanos, they fail. They fail at the time heist thing. And then they're like, the, our only chance now is to go to the exact moment before he snapped his fingers and we're going to redo that scene again, but we're going to win this time. Right. And, and then and, Thor has his moment where And he, he goes for the head. He goes for the head. Right. And yeah. then you've got, in the beginning of the movie, he gets decapitated. decapitated. And then at the end of the movie, he gets decapitated or he doesn't. Like, you, suddenly, like, from a narrative perspective, that's way more poetic to me. Right. It's hard to talk about what we would have liked to have seen. Right. But what we saw now is what begins to happen is Thanos now becomes aware of the future. Right. And and he's wiser for it. And and he basically saw that his previous plan didn't work of wiping out whatever. It didn't have his desired effect. Right. Oh, that was a lot. Hey guys, it's Juan. Sorry to cut between this crazy conversation. 
but we talked for like three hours and I had to split this thing up. So that is the end of part one to this conversation. Tune in next week for part two, where we will wrap this thing up. So on next week's episode, we're going to wrap up the plot and we're also going to talk about some of the things we liked, disliked, uh, final impressions, best fan service moment, uh, some of the Russo brothers, their universe. Uh, they like to inject a lot of their own projects into these Marvel Cinematic Universe films, some of the best moments, and a couple of continuity questions. So it's going to be a lot of fun, guys. Please check it out. That's next week, and we will see you then. <laughs> That was this week's show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can hear new episodes of Seymour every week on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And remember, Seymour is just one of many shows that Cesspool has to offer. For more info, visit cesspoolnetwork.com to see our full weekly lineup or follow at Cesspool Network on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Juwan underscore chirps, on Instagram at Juwan underscore snaps, or follow what I watch on Letterboxd at Juan Gonzalez. See you next week. Mm-hmm.